Hey, what up? You're supposed to answer. Hello, Allie. <laughs> Hello, JP. You know, JP, I was doing a rewatch right now of Parks and Rec because when you're in grad school, you can't absorb anything that's too much for your brain. So, you know, doing rewatches of like easy shows to watch. So Parks and Rec. And remember that one episode where Andy's trying to sue the city because he fell in the pit and he thinks that Anne wants a rich guy. And Leslie calls him and she's like, there is an evacuation. And Andy Dwyer must report to Bonnie. That's what I thought of when you did that anyway. Yeah, I have no idea. I actually totally forgot that bit. That's such a good bit. I mean, I think it's funny. Anyway, hey we are Spooky You. We are here to bring you all things spooky, scary, macabre, true crime, dark lore, dark history. I don't know. If you're in a scene and in a dream... And you're peacefully walking through the orchard, and you're slowly running your fingers along the branches of the trees, admiring the flowers, and then as you slowly turn around, there's a horrifying zombie that eats you. We'll talk about it. The way that you paint the picture and then just abruptly ruin it is beautiful. It's beautiful. I feel like that's kind of a trope in a lot of horror films where they do that. It's that peaceful scene or that dream sequence. Oh, oh, okay. I got I got a new one. I got the one for next week. Okay. Well, yeah. write it down or something. I don't know. Like, do something to remember it. <laughs> I'll re- honestly, I'll remember it or I'll do something. No, you mind. won't. You know, JP, you know how we get when we record. Oh, by the way, since we're talking about forgetting things anyway, I am one of your hosts, Allie. Which host am I? Uh, the other one. What, the not-so-funny one? one. Okay, well, I don't know who the other one is, but... That's what I thought. So, yeah, no, you know how we get whenever we record. We literally forget every single thing that leaves our mouths and enters our brains, and it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. But being that we are recording on Friday the 13th, I have a spooky story for you, JP. Okay, let's hear it. So a little bit of background for those of you that follow JP and I on like our personal Instagrams, we both got hacked to the individual out there who hacked us. I hope you step on a thousand Legos. I hope your pillow is always warm. I hope you never find the right temperature in the shower. I hope you always drive behind someone who is going at least six miles under the speed limit. I hope you touch a liquid and you have to look at it and go, ew, oh, what was that? I'm not entirely sure what that was. Ooh, that's a good one. So let me tell you, listen, when we got hacked was literally the day that Mercury Retrograde started. I'm just saying, I know you're not an astrology person and I'm not trying to make you an astrology person, but I'm just saying, the coincidence, the coincidence. You know what was also a real coincidence about that day too? Huh? Oh, shit. I'm trying to remember what day that happened on. Was it like Monday, uh, it Tuesday? Was, it was Tuesday. One of my favorite podcast episodes came out. What? What a coincidence. Mercury retrograde is much more important than that. But anyway, this is our PSA to everyone who has an Instagram account. If you have not turned on your two-factor authentication, make sure that you do that. Because what they did is they got into our accounts. They changed the emails they changed the password and then they turned on two-factor authentication so we could not change it back. 
and they used our accounts to try to scam our friends to invest in Bitcoin. Satan has had to reinvent a new circle of hell for that kind of person. Seriously. Like, who enjoys just being that level of a dick to people? Who wants to sell Bitcoins like that? Yeah, seriously. But because we are who we are, and we have a spooky, terrible, macabre podcast, we always look for the bright side of things. And one of the bright side of things is that now we have new Instagrams. Both of us, we have new personal Instagrams. And we both have two-factor authentication on. So good fucking luck hacking us, dumbasses. Also, I will find you. No, you won't. So because we started, this is a really long-winded way of me getting to the spooky story. Because we started our new Instagram accounts, I had to re-add a bunch of people, which means I started to re-engage with a lot of people that I hadn't talked with in a while. And that meant old sorority sisters. And one of the old sorority sisters that I got to talk with was Angel. And she had reached out because she's like, wait, I didn't know you had a podcast. And I was like, wait, oh my God, I haven't talked to you in like forever. I'm the horrible friend. I'm so sorry. And she was like, you should do an episode on the old Fisig house at CalU. Let me tell you, I know that my little sister Kat has some stories. I had them in my email like a long time ago. I need to see if I can dig them out. But because it's Friday the 13th, I wanted to regale you with a story from the Fisig house from Angel. And JP, you've met Angel before. Yes, I've met Angel. Yeah, you've met. I love her. She's so sweet. So Angel's spooky story. So she was staying at one of our sorority houses, because we had two, you know, the whole PA law thing, because her big sister was graduating. They were sitting on the couch talking the night before graduation, and they decided it was time to go to bed. They said their goodnights and went upstairs. A, Angel, was all snuggled on the comfy couch. Well, I'm assuming it was the comfy couch. There was a few in that room, but there was one that was Get like- Get to the point! I am. So she was sleeping on the couch- and she felt someone sit at the edge of the couch. First, she was thinking it was Kay. And she was like, I'm going to just open my eyes and just kind of say like, hey, like, are you okay? What's going on? Because it's the night before graduation, you know, someone might be nervous. So she opened her eyes. She looked up and no one was there. So she immediately did what any normal person would do. And she pulled the blankets right back over her eyes and went back to bed. But let me tell you, JP, I have been in that house. And yeah, it was definitely haunted. It was a creepy house. Like very, very creepy. But we had some really great times in that house. Like really great times. It was a lot of fun. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad to hear that everyone didn't get scared out by a ghost or you didn't star in a bad B-movie horror film. Honestly, that would have been so much fun. But I also do want to give a plug to Angel. Uh, she is on social media. Her main account is Angelique Magic or Angelique Ma Magic. I want to make sure I say that correctly. But she really focuses in travel, self-care, Disney, you know, just being your best, most authentic self, which is exactly who she is. So lots of love to Angel. Thank you for sharing your story with me. So are you ready? Now that we're eight minutes in, yeah. Yes, please. Let's go. A really long-winded way of getting to one more housekeeping item. We had somebody reach out to us recently who works at the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. His name is Brad. Very, very nice individual. And he listened to our episode on Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. 
So thank you so much to Brad for listening. He had one correction for us, though, and I want to make sure that I do it justice. The ghost of Lily is not located on the fourth floor. She is located on the first floor. And that's the only correction. So want to make sure we do her justice. But, you know, PSA, boys and girls, not everything on the Internet's correct. So just want to give a shout out to Brad and his podcast, Strange History. So thank you, Brad. That was awesome. Greatly appreciate you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, JP, have you ever looked at a picture of someone and thought immediately, oh, I don't like that person? Yes, plenty of times. Plenty of times. It's happened to me on only two occasions. One previous portion of my life. And the second one is this motherfucker right here that we're about to talk about. The infamous... Bella Kiss. Well, it's funny because when you brought him up, I did not know who he was. He he kind of runs more with World War One history buffs. So that would be why, because I don't know anything about World War One history. Yes, because despite all the times I nerded out and went on rants, you just tuned me out. What? Anywho. <laughs> Sorry, the opportunity presented itself. JP, since I can't tune you out now, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history? All right. Well, Bella Kiss, born in 1877 in Isaac, Austria, Hungary. Not much is known about Bella's early life. Some sources claim that he had an interest in the occult or astrology, but we don't really know much for sure. We do know that he was an aspiring astrologer and fortune teller that he used in his ruse in later life. So that much there might be some merit to. I'm not sure how I feel about that, considering I am the same, but let's keep going. In 1900, he moved to the town of Tikota that was just outside of Budapest, now part of the city proper, and he rented a small cottage. He was described as being tall, with blonde hair, and strikingly handsome, though I'm going to be honest, the one main photo everybody uses of him, he looks more like the bad guy from an old-timey movie who ties a woman to a railroad tracks. He also gives me, like, major Cracker Jack vibes. I don't know why. Like, you know the snack, Cracker Jack? I feel like he would eat those a lot. I don't know why, okay? don't Again, don't ask me why. That's just the vibe I get. Allie, I've learned to never question your logic. Yeah, don't. That's, don't, don't question. Don't even question what happens in my brain. I don't, it's fine. Keep going. As he lived there, he became a successful tinsmith, was married twice, and had two children, Aranka and Ionka. I like the names. Those are good names. You know, it's kind of up for debate when he actually started killing. I did go through Murderpedia and there's a few counts of his life before killing. And just, just as JP had said, you know, of course, one of his wives, uh, she found herself a quite a little lover and ran off with him. In that version of the story, Bellicus claims that his wife ran off with her lover, but he actually murdered them. Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. 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 They must have really loved New York because no one ever heard from them again. That's Yeah, that's the other side of the story is some people think that they went to New York. And again, as JP said, he moved into a little cottage. He hired an older female housekeeper to take care of the housework. This is going to become important later. But it also seemed that there was a revolving door for the town bachelorettes. 
Kiss held true to his namesake, and he kissed a lot of women. Ah. I know, I know. Listen, it's about to get real dark, okay? So let's just enjoy a laugh while we can. And he ended up being drafted into the army where he was on the front lines. And then take it away. All right. So we have come now to 1914, July 28th. Good year. No, no, it was not a good year at all. Well, actually, my sorority was founded the year before in 1913. So 1913 was a better year, but, you know, it's fine. Here's the problem, Allie, is because on July 28th, 1914, there was a very awkward meeting at a sandwich shop in uh, Serbia where Archduke Franz Ferdinand happened to run into his assassin, Gabriela Princip, and Princip did the murder, and Austria-Hungary got pissed off. Long story short, World War I started, a lot of convoluted treaties and alliances basically dragged all of Europe into the first modern war. So basically you're saying that like World War I started in a subway sandwich shop. Outside of one. Cool. I like it. Let's keep going. So one thing that I want to clarify is we did say Bella Kiss was in Hungary, but I want to give a little bit of context as to what Hungary was in because you heard me say not Austria. You heard me say Austro-Hungarian. Yes, we did hear you say that, so please clarify. That's because in 1867, there was a Austro-Hungarian compromise that established some autonomy for the Kingdom of Hungary, and it was essentially like kind of a weird two-state empire where Austria and Hungary domestically operated autonomously, but foreign-wise, or else, yeah, foreign-wise? Am I saying that right? I mean, it. you know what, JP? It's fine. It's cool. Please don't kill me, people. They operated as one entity, and this was all under the Austrian emperor, Franz Joseph II. Okay, all right. I like, okay, I, I follow you. In addition, it should be noted that Hungary was not only its own ethnic group that was controlled by Austria, and this is going to make things complicated in a second here. So going into the First World War, Hungary had a long period of relative peace. And in this time, there was a lull in military readiness. This basically meant that all of the equipment that Austria and Hungary were going into the First World War with would have been relevant maybe around the time of Napoleon, but was in no way suitable for modern warfare compared to the likes of Britain and Germany. All right, I'm following you. In addition, things get even more complicated because when Austria went to, well, Austria-Hungary went to war, and according to the YouTube channel The Great War, they had to print their national anthem and guidebooks for soldiers in 15 different languages. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there were that many different ethnic groups in the empire. That also, on top of that, there were three different armies going to war for Austria-Hungary. They were the common army made up of both Austrian and Hungarian. The Austrian Lundswehr recruited solely from the Germanic parts of the empire and the Hungarian army, which was operated by the government of Hungary. Now, you're probably wondering what does all of this 19th, early 20th century politics have to do with a serial killer? A lot is the answer. 
a lot. And this is because you're going to find out that it can be very hard to find somebody in an army. And I'm just setting the stage for exactly what Bella Kiss is going into. So he's going into a very ethnically diverse, multilingual, woefully unprepared army into what is going to be the giant meat grinder of the early 20th century. You're painting us quite a picture there, JP. And honestly, I always feel bad whenever you see any kind of time traveling show like Legends of Tomorrow or Doctor Who where they pull somebody from World War One, And I feel so bad every time because they pull someone from like towards the end of the war and they're like, I really please want this to stop. This war is madness. Our world has gone mad. And then the time traveler is like, oh, yes, we pulled you out of World War One," And they look up hard like, what do you mean World War One? Sorry, sir. We are, uh, we have continued that pattern, unfortunately. Don't jinx us, Sally. It's Friday the 13th. Dude, our whole week has already been jinxed. But the world is not, because things are going to get better. We're just going to, yeah. We're just going to say that. We're just going to put it, put, put it out there. Manifestation. So, time traveling shows. Pull somebody out from World War One. Keep us rolling. All right. So, in addition to the extremely challenging logistics of operating an army like this, a lot of the generals were completely incompetent in Austria-Hungary, namely the famous asshat Conrad von Hotzendorf, but he's a story for another time. I like how you call him an asshat. You're like, oh yeah, the famous asshat Conrad von Husseldorf, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. It's kind of one of those things you learn about the history buff community, where it's kind of like everyone knows vaguely something about major figures, just enough to where you can get a meme. That's what gives me satisfaction in my life is when I can go through history meme pages on Instagram and I'm like, ah, I get that joke. (laughs) Well, hopefully you followed all the good ones now that you have your new account. Oh, yeah. No, history memes explain. That's an awesome one. Okay. I won't get it, but it's fine. So anyway, Austria-Hungary had its armies organized. They planned and they began their assault into World War I. However, when they invaded Serbia, they had the brilliant idea of organizing their timetables and making sure that everyone stayed on track by making sure the army moved at the slowest possible mode of transportation they had, which famously led to the invasion of Serbia at the speed of a bicycle. So like it wasn't moving on foot, the slowest mode of transportation. And they had train cars, they had some vehicles at the time, but okay. But if we remember if we remember the Grand Theft Locomotive episode, okay, season one, fantastic episode. I was kind of tipsy when we recorded it. The train cars even went slow around that time too. Or wait, are we like a little bit of a different time now? That that's a, that was like 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Uh, then the train cars go a little faster and it's fine. All right. See, that's why I said I was tipsy. I'm not a history buff. I'm just here for the fun. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So anyway, yes. Basically, Bellicus is entering a complete bureaucratic mess where men are going to be slaughtered in the thousands because of the incompetent of leaders. Now, let's get back to the murders, Allie. Okay, so now time for some fun. No, none of this is fun. Okay, it's July 1916. Charles Nagy received an alarming phone call from a landlord in Sincota there was believed to be evidence of a murder on the property. The house in question? It was rented out to a soldier named Bella Kiss, 
that he was fighting on the front lines and the landlord did not rent the property out to anybody else. So he hasn't come back. Everyone's kind of thinking maybe he's not coming back permanently. If you catch my drift and the landlord landlord was going to the home to see what needed to be fixed before he rented it out again. But what he found was shocking. Outside of the house were several large metal drums. When he punctured the drums, he immediately smelled something disgusting. Supposedly, the neighbor, who is a chemist, came over to investigate as well, because I guess they smelled it, and immediately recognized the smell as human decomposition. So. Oh, could I take a pause there for a second, Ellie? I just want to quick give some context. Go for it. Okay, so the oil drums in Bellicus's yard, those had actually been there since before the war started and he was drafted. And he explained them away as oil drums that he was stocking up for the war when oil would be rationed. I'm glad that you explained that because that was not in my notes. Yes, that was his claim. And this wasn't unusual because there was this kind of looming air of war in 1914 where tensions were rising among the nations and everyone kind of knew it was inevitable. They kind of had a feeling this was coming. Yeah. And the reason that they punctured the drums and everything was because he had been gone for a while. Oil got rationed. Things were going down. Kiss hadn't returned. And the landlord and everyone was kind of like, well, he's got like 14 barrels of oil in his backyard. Might as well share it. Share the wealth. Yeah, so that that's why that all transpired. I just want to clarify that. Well, I'm glad you did, because my question was, why didn't the neighbor come out when they saw the drums appear? But if they've always been there, then of course, it's not going to look suspicious, you know? So anyway, the detectives are called to examine the drums. So we bring our boy Charles in. When the drums are opened, they each found the bodies of 24 women all whom had been strangled and their blood completely drained. One of the women was found with the rope still in the drum, and they were all preserved with wood alcohol. Now, the word, the word that was used was pickled. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. It's not great, but technically... Technically, it's... Yes. Yep. But because of this, the bodies were able to be identified if they had names to work with. So how did we get here? How did we get to just finding 24 bodies in oil drums? First, the man who is renting this house is obviously not dead. He's around because, you know, some of these were a little fresher and the army needs to know about this. So Charles sends an immediate notice to the army to arrest Bella Kiss. At this point, a manhunt has started, but we're not going to get into that just yet. Now, the housekeeper, remember her? She's still employed and was upset that people were messing with his drums, but she didn't know about the bodies. She was taken in for questioning. Supposedly, Kiss had told her, as JP said earlier, that he was storing gasoline post-World War I, but the police thought he was storing alcohol in them. In a sense, they weren't wrong. He was storing alcohol in them. But of course, 
This is not as cut and dry, and there's a major issue they're facing. The Hungarian army, as JP said, had very poor leadership and was scattered everywhere, super disorganized. And Bellicus is a very common name. So Charles started looking for clues as to who the victims were and how to find and arrest Bellicus. He found two pieces of cloth in two of the drums with the initials KV and MT. The housekeeper, still shocked and terrified, claimed she knew nothing, that he was a very kind man who paid her very well for two years. She showed the police Bella Kiss's bedroom, which they were thoroughly searched and found nothing except for a locked door. The secret room was off limits to everyone except Bella and the housekeeper never entered it. But what was inside the secret room? Do you want to take a guess, JP? I'm going to guess some kind of murder room and a whole bunch of letters of correspondence between him and these women that he murdered and put in a can. You cheated. So inside... <laughs> Ellie, I've been doing this long enough with you. I can figure... It It doesn't take a genius to think, oh my god, we've got murders in the building or somebody was committing murders. They must have done it in the one room that nobody's ever gotten into. You're not wrong, but like you're really spot on for a couple of the things. So inside the room were bookcases lining the walls and a desk with a chair. Inside the desk were correspondence between Kiss and the various women. I mean, we already established that he was a womanizer, so I imagine we got that. letters. Yeah, we got that. Yeah. Um, along with a photo album of photographs of more than 100 women at this point. Charles, our lead detective, began to worry about the number of victims. So, back to the letters. Apparently, Kiss has taken out an ad in the paper looking for women. 174 women had responded, all wanting marriage, and he accepted the proposal of 74 of those women. Imagine the, those, those hundred, okay? You dodged a fucking bullet, so good for you. That sounds like Vegas. Yes, yeah, seriously. So by reading the letters, it became clear that Bella Kiss was defrauding these women of their savings. This, mm, this motherfucker was proposing marriage to women, then getting their finances. This scam was dating back to 1903. And if I've said it on this show once, JP, I've said it a thousand times. Men ain't shit. You know, I really appreciate you saying that because that makes me as your brother feel so good about myself every time. You don't count. You're my brother. Okay, you don't count. So Charles took a break from reading the letters to examine the books. Do you want to guess what most of the books were about, JP? I'm going to guess either fantasizing murders Celtic information from all the money he stole from the women or some other maniacal evil plan. You were very close with one of them. But if you guessed how to make poisons and strangulation, you would have been correct. So the question remains, how could Kiss bring so many women to his home, keep the scam going for so long without anyone catching on? Well, the housekeeper admitted to seeing lots of women and... You know, she just stated that he seemed like a very nice young man, but he wouldn't have killed them. 
Even the neighbors and the townspeople were interviewed, and no one thought it was weird that a young, handsome guy had women come into his home all the time. I mean, I feel like he also was sending these adverts out to certain individuals and areas where people wouldn't overlap or there wouldn't be a risk of somebody recognizing Hey, you talked to Bella Kiss too? Yeah, I talked to that guy. Oh, I went over there to that guy. And also remember what we said. That's a very common name. I also think he did use a few aliases as well. Oh, he probably did. But let's talk about how he did it. Charles, our boy, looked into all these letters of women that Kiss corresponded with and found some similarities. Kiss would put out an ad in the matrimonial section of the paper. So this is like 1914... uh, What's the thing? Tinder. That's what it's called. And he would wait for women to respond. He used the name Hoffman to correspond with these women. And remember, this is this is for later. So remember the name Hoffman. He would respond to women, but would word his letters very carefully. Nothing incriminating. When he would meet the women, he would shower them with lavishness to show he had money and would then inquire about their financial situation and their relatives. God, it's gaslighting and narcissism. He would only remain in contact with women whose relatives did not live close by, so they wouldn't be missed if they disappeared. Wait a minute, I thought it would be more like catfishing, because gaslighting's like altering somebody's thought on their reality i actually meant to say narcissism i didn't mean to say gaslighting and i can't like you were doing something but i kind of said i was like gaslighting and then i went "Mm, narcissism but yeah no we'll get to that so yeah he picks women who they're living away from their family so they won't be missed and most of the letters that he received after a relationship was initiated indicated that the women sent him money sometimes everything she had And if he felt she was a flight risk or would go to the police, he would eliminate her. So this was kind of more of an individual who was fishing and getting finances and killing when necessary. I wouldn't use the word necessary. I would use the word when he probably started to panic that they were going to tell somebody or leave or they finally, the women finally realized that he was a lying asshat and wasn't going to actually, you know, be able to provide the life for them that they were promised. So I'd say that's probably more along the lines of there, but eventually Charles was able to identify some of the victims. The KV stood for Madame Catherine Varga, a young widow with considerable means she had very profitable dressmaking business, which she sold to be with her prospective husband, Bella Kiss. She had no relatives. No one would know she was gone, which is honestly really heartbreaking. So there was another breakthrough, a clothing item belonging to Julianne Paschek was found Detectives looked further into the name and found a woman with that name and Elizabeth Kamaromi had sued Kiss for taking their money on the promise of marriage. So we have some lawsuits in here. The suits lapsed when neither women appeared in court and could not be found. And no one thought that was weird. 
no one was like, oh, wow, this is the hmm, second lawsuit brought on this man for the same thing. And both women didn't show up to court. No one, no one thought. I mean, the first thing most people don't go to when somebody's absent is, oh, they must be dead. Okay, well, that's what I go to. Okay, you would be terrible as an elementary school teacher. Oh, wow, Johnny didn't show up for class. Oh, he must be dead. Let me tell you, JP, yesterday I was sitting in my room, minding my business, and I heard like a thump downstairs and then a oof. Immediately, I ran to the basement steps and I was like, Dad, Dad, are you good? Are you okay? My first thought was like, okay, he's down. He's he's down. And yeah, that was, I probably have anxiety. Emotional damage. <laughs> yeah, basically. So at this point, Charles has enough to pin 30 murders on Kiss, but only one of the seven women in the drums was actually identified. So I think there were seven piled into one yikes so if you were ever curious how many people can fit in an oil drum no i was not curious why did we do this whose idea was this uh it was mine so while the investigation <laughs> was still going on charles was visited by a mrs Stephen toff and her daughter-in-law mrs toff claimed that her daughter margaret had introduced her to kiss and convinced her to give him money on the promise of marriage Later on, Margaret accused of Kiss going back on his promise. When Mrs. Toff went to Sincota to confront Kiss, he said Margaret became angry when he said he only wanted to delay the wedding and she went to America. Charles was able to eventually piece together what happened. When Margaret came to visit Bella Kiss, he forced her to write a letter claiming she couldn't handle the shame of rejection from Bella Kiss and went to America. Kiss then strangled her and hid her body in a drum. What a fucking narcissistic asshat. So, JP. Yes. Where is Bella Kiss? Right. So, now that we have a serial killer on our hands. A narcissistic asshat. I mean, I feel like we've cut. This is the second one we've covered. Third, fourth. Honestly, pretty much every single serial killer is a narcissist. That's like narcissistic, sociopath, psychopath. Like they're, they're just horrendous people. Anywho, like I said, Charles had his man. He knew that Bella was still serving in the military. But as I mentioned, it was kind of a bureaucratic nightmare. And as the war turned against Austria in 1916, sorry, Austria-Hungary, it, it only got worse. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a run through of what was going on at the time. The only possible evidence and information we have of where Bella Kiss was in 1916 was a single letter that said that he was recovering in a hospital in Sarajevo. Or not, sir, Serbia. My mistake. So it's actually interesting that you say that because the research that I got was that he was in the Serbian hospital, but he had died of typhoid in 1915 and then there was another version that he went on to live so still conflicting versions even the letter is murky but here's what was going on at the time assuming he even lived this long in the war during july of 1916 there was a major action by the russians called the brusilov event offensive led by russian general alexei brusilov 
This offensive was part of a larger plan by the Allies starting back in the December of 1915 to launch simultaneous attacks in 1916 to disperse the German army across two fronts and prevent them from being able to concentrate their forces for one large attack. This would include attacks on the Western powers, Britain and France, Italy, and Russia. One hiccup in the plan was the German offensive in Verdun and the Austrian assault into Asiago in northern Italy. So these kind of interrupted their whole simultaneous attack plan because they're like, oh crap, now I gotta deal with the Germans in Verdun. That would be a major blunder for them and tens of thousands of people would die. Rusilov attacked across 20 miles of the eastern front along the Austro-Hungarian lines. This was a departure from the conventional tactics during the war, which was intense bombardment in a concentrated area followed immediately by an infantry attack in like one large push. However, this more dispersed across 20, the 20-mile 20 line proved effective in cutting a five-mile hole in the Austro-Hungarian lines and with no fallback position because, again, Austro-Hungarian generals were not the greatest, they didn't have a backup plan for a big attack, the Russian troops overwhelmed Austria-Hungary, taking 10,000 prisoners and had no intent of stopping. Luckily for Austria-Hungary, Russia had to stop because its industrial capacity and its ability to make war was also not that great. The overall attack stalled out by July of 1916, and this was on the Russian side, by the way, because they, they weren't doing great either. Mm, okay, I gotcha. But the Russians did achieve their goal in forcing Germans to halt their offensive in Verdun and transport 10 divisions of men across Europe. While the attack was successful in spreading the Germans thin and weakening the Austro-Hungarian lines, it came at a very high price. The offensive lasted from June to September of 1916, costing Austria-Hungary 400,000 to 567,000 killed, wounded, or missing. Oh my god. Another 400,000 were taken prisoner. Holy crap. The Russians suffered close to 1 million casualties, killed, wounded, or captured. Oh my god. Assuming Bela Kiss was even alive at this point, this would have been what he made what he would have been a part of yeah okay so based on what you have told us plus knowing like this new knowledge now uh, yeah that's it's extremely hard to find somebody and that's not even to say that back in like 1914-1915 a lot of austro-hungarian soldiers were cannon fodder there was the one or two failed attempts into the carpathian mountains where many men just froze to death Oh my god. I feel bad for all the other troops. Bella Kiss, he had it coming. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I don't feel bad for him. You but know, yeah, he everyone deserved else. what he got. But everyone else, no, yeah, that's, oh, that's horrible. There is something, actually, though. In 1932, I don't know if you have this in your notes, but I thought this was pretty interesting. But a New York City homicide detective was certain, absolutely certain, that he saw Kiss leaving a Times Square subway station. You know, I did have that in my notes that he may have gotten to that point. But I, again, my personal theory as 
I've gone through this. We're not really ever going to know what happened to Bellicus. My personal theory is that he most likely he bought it during the war. I would agree with you. I think based on what you have shared, I think that that's a very, very good guess. But you're 100% right. He has never been caught. We will never know what happened to him. And he was never actually tried for any of the murders that he committed. Allegedly. We have to say allegedly, but... Someone didn't just allegedly accidentally put... Well, no, JP, because, because he was never tried. Like, he never got to stand trial. But that's in the US, but I don't know about Austria Hungary. We could probably just say he did it. Oh, okay. Yeah, he did it. All right. Then, yeah, he did it. <laughs> I'll say it. Okay, fine. He fucking did it. This one was also really annoying for me because I looked through as much as I could to figure out any hint of tracking where Bella was during the war. They didn't have but, cell phones back then. It's so much no, easier not, to track people with cell phones. Okay. Well, yes, Allie. I was more talking about. Looking at his photo of his uniform, I was looking up different styles, looking for any lapel or indication on his uniform that would say what job he did, what regiment he was a part of, but I couldn't find anything. I even looked at one where he was like holding a, a stick or a gun. I went through all the different guns that were used by the Austro-Hungarian army during the war, hoping maybe I could find out, like, was he a machine gunner or an infantryman, artillery? Yeah, I, I just don't know. He wore a very standard uniform. I even struggled to figure out whether he was wearing an Austrian, uh, a Lutz. Well, no, he wouldn't have been wearing a Lutzweiler. He was, so he probably would have been in the Hungarian army. Okay, but that still doesn't help us figure out what happened to him. But you know what? We may never know. It's one of those weird things. I one of the things I often think about though is, did he ever know at some point that? Somebody was going to go into those barrels and figure out what he had done. I mean, there's no way that he could do it and think, oh, someone's not going to find this. And I feel like that's part of why they do it sometimes. Like people that have that mindset of like they're just taking another human being's life and getting rid of the body. They don't do it to the extent that it's going to cover them up completely. There's always a way to find it. And I think it's kind of that little... I don't know. I've tried to, you know, pull my knowledge from criminal minds, which is obviously, you know, a show, but like they, they do it in a way that they almost think, Oh, they can outsmart people. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, but also at the same time, he left an entire room with all the evidence, all the information, all the letters, the barrels were just out in plain view. He said that they were oil. I feel like, I don't know if he ever was planning on coming back or if he thought, because the other thing, too, is that he they specifically use the term conscripted. If he was conscripted, he would have been a very run-of-the-mill rank-and-file soldier. But uh, that's also tough because I don't know if it's true for World War One, but I do know for World War Two, I think the statistic was only one out of seven soldiers that served were in a combat role it's i don't know see it's so hard to say because like you have such a vast knowledge of the war and how that all played out and because i binge watch true crime documentaries i have a better knowledge of like i mean not a great knowledge at all but like how that mind works so it's just it is interesting to think like okay he literally left all of this stuff like you would think all right you're going to war you're getting drafted get rid of this stuff get rid of it 
that's what I mean. That's what I would think. I feel like either he was so narcissistic that he thought he couldn't possibly be caught or he just didn't think he was going to live through the war. So what did it matter? I'm going to go with the first one because truly a narcissistic man who thinks he can get away with it is going to do it. We know this, JP. We know this. Yeah, and it doesn't really help. We don't have a lot of personal info as to what he was like as a human because... Yeah. But, yeah, so that is, I think, all I have. That's what I've got. And that's the story of Bella Kiss. The unknown serial killer of World War One. The extremely frustrating because he has never had his comeuppance serial killer of World War One. It's kind of interesting whenever you go through these old stories and you have these underlying characters. We already did the concept of George Cummins last year with a serial killer in a war and, you know, what's the big deal? Bellicus, I think, is a little bit more interesting because, again, he was never caught, so we never understood a motive. We never really understood much about Oh, no, we know the motive. Sorry, I meant, like, we, we don't know much about the person. Like George Cummins, we have information on because they caught him. But no, Bellicus, I mean, based on what he did to those women and how he lied to them and how he manipulated them and he manipulated them for their money, I we all know the type of person that he is. We all have seen those type of people. They exist. They're unfortunately, they're just a part of daily life. But he took it to a new level and he ended lives because his scheme was going to be found out. And he just garbage, garbage human. Yeah, I don't think you can trust that stuff. But all right, so you got. But you don't think what? I said. Wait, what did I say? I don't remember. I didn't hear you. We're just reiterating that he sucks. But anyway, if you want to hear more about really shitty people, uh, you can email us at spookyupodcast at gmail dot com. You can also like us on Instagram and interact with us interact with us send us a message tell us what we did right tell us what we did wrong tell us how great we are tell us how much we suck be nice and you can do that at spooky you podcast we also have a twitter i was reminded of that today at spooky you podcast and don't forget to rate and review us and tell your friends i do love the fact that you started this whole thing with email us and we'll tell you about shitty people like you're going to just message us and say hi i'm a big fan and we're gonna respond listen you gotta know about this asshole right here well i mean if there's ever heard the word of henry ford (laughs) yeah want to talk about a shitty person yeah i have to work 40 hours a week because of him no 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 you know what you want to hear a real issue john kellogg wait the guy that made frosted flakes yeah he also is the reason why every man in america has a circumcised penis Okay. You're circumcised because of a serial man. Class dismissed. <laughs>